Hey everyone, welcome to the Planned, Prepped, and Productive Podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Spackman, registered dietitian and mom of three, and believer in peaceful, easy, but also homemade family meals. On this podcast, I'm helping moms master mealtime and become the boss of their kitchen. As you do this, you'll find more peaceful meals through prep and planning. We will do this by focusing on four pillars for making mealtime manageable, doable, and if you give it a chance, maybe even fun. The four pillars are mindset and self-care, planning and organization, meal planning, and meal prep. This is episode number 80, Meal Prep Food Safety 101. So imagine you're planning a party. You've got the recipes, the decoration, the music. You're so excited and you're ready to go. You probably, if you're like most people, didn't even give a second thought to how you're going to keep all of that food safe that you're going to serve. Food safety is not particularly fun or attractive, but it is so important. And I know it can keep a lot of you from meal prepping because the idea of keeping your food safe is stressful and figuring out how to prep food safely can be overwhelming. So with this episode, let's keep your kiddos, families, and all of those guests at your parties safe while still enjoying meal prepped food. Uh, The format for this episode is going to be just a little bit different. I'm going to start out by talking about just a few things for you to do to prepare, serve, and store food safely uh, so that you're taking care of your food in the best way possible. And then we're going to jump into some frequently asked food safety questions to see if we can answer all of those questions for you and make sure that you feel confident while you're prepping your food. But before we dig in, I'm going to interrupt this episode with an official launch date for the Meal Prep in Minutes mini course, which will be a precursor to the Master Mealtime course. I promised a launch date a few episodes back and I ultimately just forgot about it. (laughs) Or at least I didn't forget about it, but I forgot to announce it. But this is an official date. The mini course will launch on June 30th. It's going to be a comprehensive deep dive into how I meal prep a week's worth of meals, including recipes and video instruction. So if you've been listening, but you've been kind of wanting something that's more done for you, something you can try out without having to put so much of an investment of planning in yourself, this is literally as close as you can get to that. It will include a full meal plan, recipes, meal prep schedule, grocery list, including copyable click lists for several of the most popular online or pickup options so that this is as easy as possible for you guys. And this is also going to be a really, really affordable course. So it's something that you should be able to grab for less than or equal to one night of takeout for your family. And it will show you the template or formula for starting to implement a meal prep plan for you and your family. So I'm excited to finally have a date on the books. Hopefully that keeps me on track um, that it will actually get done in time. June 30th, I will send out an email. So if you're not on my email list, I'll drop a link in the show notes for you to go ahead and get on the wait list for that program um, and make sure that you don't miss it. All right. So 
let's circle back to what we were talking about, which is meal prep food safety. So in order to prepare food safety, there are two main considerations, or at least two considerations that we're going to consider the most important today. The first consideration is to cook your foods to a safe temperature. I'll go ahead and include a temperature chart in the show notes because I don't want this to be a really detail-oriented episode, but I do want you to have the resources that you need to cook safely all the time. So all foods have different safe temperatures to cook to, and cooking to that temperature is ensuring that your food is cooked as safely as possible to begin with. So that way, as we are preserving that food, it stands a better chance, if that makes sense. The second most important food safety consideration when you are preparing food is to avoid cross-contamination. So this is when you let those chicken juices touch your fresh vegetables or any other time that you are mixing foods that you don't want to be mixed. And sometimes this is a big deal. Other times it's not a super big deal. For example, you never want your raw meat to touch any of your other food, but you can probably have some level of cross-contamination between your vegetables. It's not going to make any difference if your onions touched your green peppers, unless there are allergies involved, right? Uh, Same with like your breads. But if someone has a gluten allergy, then it's going to be a really big deal. So really, when you're avoiding cross-contamination, the biggest thing to consider is how you're going to avoid anything that has touched raw meat, touching anything else. But depending on your situation in your family or among your guests, uh, you might need to be careful with any types of food concerning cross-contamination. And we'll talk a little bit more about how to do this, but I just wanted you to have a general idea of kind of what the most important food safety guidelines are when it comes to preparing, serving, and storing your food. So those two points, cooking your food to a safe temperature and avoiding cross-contamination, are going to be the most important things that you do uh, when it comes to preparing your food safely. Also, hand washing. We'll put that as like a should be obvious little bullet point. All right. How do you serve your food appropriately? Again, to keep your food safe. So so the key here is that you really want to minimize the amount of time that your food is out of refrigeration or in the danger zone, which is I believe 40 to 140 degrees, but I will double check that to make sure. Um, But basically kind of that room temperature or really warm or just not refrigerated temperature where bacteria grows the fastest. So while you're cooking, you want to get food out as soon as you need it. Once it's cooked, you want to serve it quickly or make sure it's being held at a temperature that's above the danger zone. I think hot holding temperatures are usually around 160. You can use your oven, keep warm setting, which I think is usually 170. So just make sure that if you're not able to serve it right away, that you're keeping it nice and hot. Um, If you're having a buffet or a party, serve hot foods in slow cookers or warmers so that it's staying hot and serve cold foods Um, surrounded by a bowl of ice so that it's staying cold. Keep hot foods hot, cold foods cold. Um, If you do have foods that are sitting at room temperature in that danger zone, be sure that you're throwing them away after they've sat out for about two hours. Or if you're in extremely hot temperatures, like an outside picnic in the summer, 
at 90 degree heat, you'll probably want to throw away those leftovers after one hour. So you can see why it's worth it to take some extra steps to ensure that you're storing your food properly for serving so that you're able to save that food later as leftovers instead of just throwing it in the garbage. All right, so let's talk about cooling your food and storing it safely. Just like when you're preparing food and you want to keep it out of that danger zone as much as possible when you are cooling food, you want to cool it quickly because even if you stick those leftovers in the fridge, um, there will still be a time that they are at that danger zone as they cool down to the refrigerator's temperature. So you're going to want to cool your food as quickly as possible. There are different ways to do this. You can move food to smaller containers to cool. This is really useful for meal prep because if you had, let's say, a yummy pasta salad that would work for lunches, instead of it being in a giant bowl, you can separate it out into some more individual portions, which is also going to help with food safety as those smaller portions are going to cool much more quickly than the big bowl would have cooled. You can also chop up large cuts of meat smaller so that they cool quickly. Again, this is useful for meal prep because chopped up meat is more useful generally than a big hunk of it when it comes to repurposing your leftovers. Um, one other thing you can try if you're trying to cool something down quickly is to put whatever container it's in into a bowl of ice water and stir it to try and get it cooled down really quick. The point here is to minimize the amount of food time the food spends in the danger zone. So that's just one really key thing to remember when it comes to food safety. All right, so that is the nitty gritty, the extent of that that I wanna go into with this episode. What I really wanted to talk about is some questions that I get a lot when it comes to meal prep and food safety and keeping food safe as well as maintaining their quality. So let's jump right into those questions. So how long are leftovers or meal prep good in the refrigerator. Um, with all of the meal prep options that are becoming really popular and the suggestions from Instagrammers and influencers, the USDA has updated their guidelines on leftovers and they recommend tossing out your leftovers after four days in the refrigerator. So they suggest that if you want to meal prep, you should do it twice a week instead of the popular cook once, eat all week method. Something to keep in mind with this, if that's seeming like too much for you, is that this advice is for cooked foods that are stored in the refrigerator. So this is why for me, freezer meal prep is the answer or pre-chopping but not pre-cooking things so that they have a little bit more leeway in how long they're going to last in the refrigerator. And we're going to talk more about that later, but I do want to just point out that you're not necessarily going to be forced to meal prep twice a week if you want to meal prep. There are ways around this uh, guideline that are still perfectly safe. So the next question is, how long is frozen meal prep good? So this is something really important for you to understand is that food that is frozen, deep frozen at zero degrees Fahrenheit or below is safe to eat indefinitely. So the temperatures in the freezer are low enough to keep pathogenic bacteria at bay. Uh, you still may want to consider rotating your food as frequently as you can due to quality as the freezer can degrade the quality or taste of your food. I'm going to drop a link about how this happens because it's a little bit 
more complex than I want to dig into in this episode. But food that's been in the freezer a long time, I mean, we've all eaten something freezer burned and we know what that tastes like and that that experience isn't particularly pleasant. So yes, you still want to be rotating your freezer meal prep, but you shouldn't be overly concerned about food safety, just food quality. Uh, because the freezer is keeping that food safe as long as you reheat it properly when it's time. And for leftovers, the proper temperature is 165 degrees Fahrenheit. Can I refreeze leftovers? I would say that this is one of my biggest questions that I had for a long time and one of the questions I get the most. And the good news is that, yes, you can refreeze leftover leftovers. The key here is taking care of your leftovers well, like we talked about in the first segment of this episode, because all of that time that it's being heated up and then maybe left at room temperature for too long and then put in the refrigerator and not cooled quickly enough, all of that is adding to the bacteria that has time to grow, right? So make sure you're handling your leftovers with care, make sure you're cooking with care and with food safety in mind, and then Yes, you can refreeze leftovers as long as you're following the same guidelines that you've been following um, that we talked about at the beginning of the episode. How can you tell if your food has gone bad? So this is where we're going to get just a little bit sciencey. It's not overwhelming. Don't stress out. But there are two different types of bacteria that can happen in your food. There is actually like an infinite number of specific types, but they fit into two categories. So we have our pathogenic bacteria and our spoilage bacteria. Spoilage bacteria is usually fairly obvious. You will notice a change in appearance in your food or a change in texture, and you're likely not going to even want to eat it. So you don't care whether it's good or not. You're not going to, it's not going to be appetizing. But even if you did eat food like this, it probably isn't going to make you sick if it's only been spoiled by spoilage bacteria. Pathogenic bacteria, on the other hand, is a little bit sneakier. Pathogenic bacteria doesn't necessarily change the quality of your food, but it absolutely can make you sick. These are the things in our foods that make us sick. So for this reason, you should just stick to the guidelines that we've outlined. The USDA has a million great food safety sources, which is where the majority of the information from this podcast is coming from. I will drop links to all of those sources in the show notes so you know where to go. Um, But follow those guidelines even if your food seems fine, if you really want to keep yourself from getting sick. So That's kind of a good rule of thumb that you can't always tell that your food has gone bad by following the signs of spoilage. So we talked earlier about cross-contamination. A question that is common is, what are some easy ways to prevent cross-contamination? And I don't know about you, but this is one of my least favorite parts about cooking when I have like the chicken juice on my hand and I need to wash my hand, but how do I wash my hand? Because I have chicken juice on my hand and I want to touch the faucet. It just seems like this constant juggling act to keep everything clean and safe. So here are some things that I do. The very first thing I do to prevent cross-contamination is that I get all of my prep work done before I even get any meat out. So there's no chance of cross-contamination between my knife and my vegetables or my cutting board and my vegetables, those kinds of things. So I always have all the prep work done before the meat even comes out of the refrigerator. And that's really helpful. The second idea I have, I actually got from the Lazy Genius, who is awesome. I'll go ahead and drop a link to her. Um, But she suggests that you pour cooking ingredients like oils or salt all into their own individual containers. 
instead of just leaving it in its original container or bottle so that if you have, you know, chicken juice on your hand, it's no big deal. You can just grab the small container of olive oil, of salt, whatever, dump it in. And then you're obviously going to be sanitizing your containers when you do the dishes. So that way it's no big deal that you got that juice on the outside of the container because it's going to be sanitized. Whereas most of us are not sanitizing our olive oil bottles at the end of the day. So this is just a really good way to not have to necessarily be like washing your hands quite so much because you can hurry, dump all those things in. It's okay that you got the outsides of the containers dirty and then give your hands a good wash before you carry on with cooking, right? So I love that idea from her. Another great practice for preventing cross-contamination is to assign certain cutting boards to meat and other cutting boards to veggies or other items that you're not so concerned about mixing. You can do this by labeling the corners of your cutting boards or by assigning a specific color to a specific type of food. Okay, so how long does and I have quotation marks here, enter food item here. <laughs> okay, so how long does, and I have parentheses here, enter food item here. So how long does chicken last in the fridge? How long do carrots last in the fridge? How long does soup last in the fridge? Whatever question you might have. So I could spend this entire episode discussing the shelf life of individual foods, but instead I want to introduce you to an awesome resource um, I've talked about the USDA. The USDA has created the Food Keeper app that tells you how long essentially any food you can think of will last under different storage conditions. It's awesome. And it can be a real lifesaver if you're just starting out. So if you want to save yourself time from Googling every single thing and wondering how long you can keep it in the fridge, go ahead and download that app and you can quickly look up whatever food item is in question. All right, just a few more questions. How can I meal prep effectively if leftovers last only four days? So we kind of started talking about this at the beginning of the episode, but freezer meal prep, my friends, is the answer to this problem. I keep the majority of my pre-cooked meal prep in the freezer so that I can use it even if life gets crazy, which it does. The freezer saves me from throwing away senseless amounts of leftovers. Um, I also mentioned this earlier, but you can also pre-chop your vegetables, things like carrots, bell peppers, etc. Um, if you're going to be cooking them and you can store those in the fridge or freezer, dep depending how long you have before you need to use them. So meal prepping this way really does allow you to cook once and eat all week long while keeping food safety in mind. All right. The last question is what foods pose the greatest food safety risks? What should you be the most worried about? So raw or undercooked foods are very risky. Sorry, sushi lovers. I'm among you. Um, and this is why cooking your food to a proper temperature the first time is so important. Typically, we think of meats as being the biggest culprit for food borne illnesses, and they can be a major culprit. But if you remember 
the romaine lettuce disasters of the past few years, then you know that any food can get contaminated or cause foodborne illness. So it's best to wash everything and prepare everything as safely as you can. All right, friends. I hope I kept it quick and I hopefully answered your burning questions about meal prep food safety. If not, I'm always open to answer questions. So shoot me an email anytime, amanda at callmebetty.com. On the next episode, we'll be talking about feeding kids in summer because if you're like me, the mom, can I have a snack every two minutes has already begun and feels like it is never going away. Um, In addition to this episode, I'm releasing a brand new freebie so you can steal my summer meal and snack schedule because, again, I know sometimes you just need it done for you, moms, and I'm here for you. Again, this resource will include recipes and meal prep ideas to keep you sane while feeding your hungry humans all summer long. I just started implementing this system this week, and it has been a total game changer. As always, thanks so much for listening, my friends. I can't wait to tune back in. If you liked this episode and can think of anybody it would benefit, please take a screenshot, share it on Instagram, and tag me at Planned, Prepped, and Productive. Send it or send the link to a friend. Anything that you can do to share will help me grow and help me provide more good content for you guys, which is what makes me happy and brings me joy. So thank you so much for continuing to listen. Until next time, happy planning. 